Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I'm your host, Florence Adu, and as you can hear, I'm outside today. I am on one of Ashalai Botre's major thoroughfares. So we're in the East Ligon, Medina, Adenta region of Accra, Ghana. And I'm meeting with a very special gentleman who is, his name translates to one step at a time. Because life is a journey and his has taken him across the globe. In his journey, he, he has led an eight-piece band producing a unique, upbeat, and invigorating Afro-reggae sound, commingling Afrobeat, jazz, old-school reggae, and African funk highlight all together. He is open for acts such as the late James Brown and Hugh Masekela. As an activist, musician, and builder, he is translating items typically thought of as waste into functional works of art. And that's where we are. We are at a place called The Ark, and we're gonna learn more about what my guest Zozo is doing. And Zozo, yes. welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Thank so, you. so let's get started with my first deep dive question, which is where are you from? Where are you local? Yeah. And what is your craft? Okay. So um, my name is Zozo. My original name is Yabwati. Yes. But Zozo is my artist's name. That's the name I have been using around doing what I do. Um, I'm Ghanaian. I'm from Ghana. I'm half Ashanti, half Ewe. Um, I always say I'm the best mix. <laughs> yeah, the reason why I say the best mix, that will be for the next interview. Okay. <laughs> I'll challenge you on that one, but okay. Yeah, okay, that's why, that's why it will be for the next interview. Yeah, um, so yeah, I'm... I'm currently based in Ghana. I live in East Legon, but um, where my uh, my craft shop is, what I call my workshop, is based out of Oibi, close to Dodoa. That is where um, I actually go and do stuff. But I build Ghana-wide. Mm -hmm. I will not say Accra-wide. Mm -hmm. I build Ghana-wide. Depending on where the work takes me, I go there and I do my job. Uh, if I can't come there too, you know, I can always build and then always, you know, send the stuff to you. So I build Ghana White and that's what I do. For now, I'm a wood builder. Okay. I use wood as my main thing, as a frontliner, even though I work with different types of waste, but wood is my main thing. Okay. I transform, I take dead wood and I give them another life. Okay. Wonderful. In a world where waste and where... We're in this climate change conversation. It's good to know that there are people who are actually taking an active role, transforming what we once thought of as dead. Because when you say dead wood, I'm like, yeah, it's always alive. Because yeah. there's a new life in it. So, so I like that about you. Okay, so tell us more about your background. So you are now local in Ghana, but you yes. have traveled all around. So tell us more about your journey from Ghana and back again. Okay. Um, so... I left the shores of Ghana at the age of 26, the 25, 26 day. But before I left here, I was a teacher. I was a trained teacher. I was a school teacher. I taught mathematics and social studies. And I was teaching in a little village for maybe four hours away from Accra. So after three and a half years of teaching, I decided to venture into the world 
I'm a bit adventurous. Even when I was in Ghana here at the, at the time when I was a teacher, I think I had by then traveled to almost eight regions already, okay. which most Ghanaians don't do. Very true. Most Ghanaians don't move around. Very true. If they're born in Accra, they live in Accra, they die in Accra. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've been always adventurous and I'm always interested in knowing things. So um, my, one of my first West African country that I went to first was Benin. I went to the Vudun Festival in 1999 and um, that was an awakening type of story for me to go from here to another African country that was different from Ghana, speaking French. You speak Ewe, but the Ewe is not the, the Ewe from Ghana yeah. because they speak phone. So when I came back to Ghana, I always wanted to also now, you know, cross the ocean. So I left here. And I went to the last country in the world, which they don't like to hear. <laughs> they call it down under. Yeah. Counting from the bottom, they are the first. But okay. they say they counting from the counting from the bottom, they're the first. The sun comes out in a town called Gisborne before everybody else sees the sun. So they say they are the first country in the world. Okay. Anyway. If they say so. That is where <laughs> that is where I ended up uh -huh. in New Zealand. So I went to New Zealand to go and study. Uh -huh. That was the dream, you know? And I went to school over there. I did, my first course that I was doing was um, marketing. And then I did first semester and I didn't like it. And I changed to international communication. So when I was reading international communication, I read psychology, read community development, read interpersonal communication, a lot of papers like that. But somewhere along the line, yeah, somewhere along the line, the life was not what I thought. The plans I had, whatever I was thinking of to go and do, was not the same. It was tough every day, just trying to stay there, just trying to integrate, just trying to live in a place that is not yours, or that is not your home. So, I couldn't get money to continue my school anymore. And I had to drop out of the uni. I dropped out of uni and then decided that, okay, what am I going to do now? So I went into a small little village and I became an apple picker. Somebody oh. who was a teacher over here, you know. I wasn't, say, I'm not saying that I was having the best, best, best of my life. But I think at that age in Ghana, I was a teacher at the age of 21. And... I was having a good life. Yeah. You get what I mean? Yeah. But then now find myself to be working in an apple farm in the middle of nowhere. Right. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that triggered my brain big time. Sure. And it made me to start to now rewrite the story of how Africans think of the other side of the world. Mm. Because it's not all roses. Yes, yeah. because we thought the grass was greener on the other side of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And every story every magazine every television things that we used to watch tells the story of the other side that everything was super yeah but this is where i am now i became an apple picker in the middle of nowhere when i say middle of nowhere it is really middle of nowhere if you can google that town it's called napier napier is seven hours from auckland in Auckland, at the time, 2003, 2004, you can count the number of black people. You can count them. 
So you can imagine going to Napier. Napier is like if you are there and you are a black person, you can be seen from miles away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. They haven't seen many. Yeah, so I was yeah. there for three good months. Okay. And I couldn't make the money either to come and pay my fees. Because I was going to go make money and come and pay for my fees, but mm -hmm. I couldn't do that either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I used to work from 6 a.m. in the morning and close 2 a.m. the following day. And I used to ride a bicycle everywhere. I covered 25 kilometers with bicycle everywhere. So when I started my music journey over there, my first album, if any New Zealander is listening, if they go into the archives in New Zealand, you see that my first music is called Nomadic African and there is a bicycle on it. That is the story. So how did you discover the musician in you? So you're, you're picking apples, it's Thank rough, yeah. and now you're and now you're like, I, yeah. I can't do this. Yeah. I, there's some there's a beat that's drumming somewhere for me. Is All that right. it? Yeah, okay. So I left the shores of Ghana with a wood piece, which was a drum. The reason why I left Ghana with the wood piece is when I went to Benin for the first time for the Voodoo Festival, it had an awakening spirit in me. So when I was in Ghana, I, was, I had always, always been interested in drumming for, as a child. But when I came back to Ghana, it intensified the drumming now in me. So I was more interested in African tradition, African culture, learning things. So I was learning drumming always. So when I was going to New Zealand, I told myself that the first thing that I can take with me, that I can use to tell my story, will be my drum. So I had that drum with me, and I had my first job at the same uni to teach drumming and dance. Ah, okay. But it was a part-time job. Yeah. I used to be paid $70 an hour. But $70 an hour, maybe you think only two hours in a week. Sure. So the money was not enough to keep me going. Sure. Sure. So I developed a little music network in Auckland, and I was teaching people. But it is breaking grounds with an African story in a place where Africans don't have a foundation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's like you are going to be teaching people African music where people are, have not actually even seen black people before. Yeah, this yeah, is the first time tough. of coming into that closeness with black people. Sure. So as much as people were interested in it, they were still being held back. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to teach and also make something out of it, but it wasn't easy. So breaking out of the school to go to the apple farm was to find a way to make a quick bag, make a quick money mm. to come and pay for my fees. Mm -hmm. So now when the tough, the, the, when, when it get tough over there, I was like, no, I have to go back to Auckland. Yeah. Go, go back, back to, to Auckland. Plan, yeah. But going back to Auckland, I still had my music network a little bit over there. So I went back to Auckland. When I came back to Auckland, I joined a band. I had by then joined the band before going to Napier, but the band were not making much. So I came back to the band, and I was a percussionist in the band. Now at this point, the school, I had to put it on the side. I have to find a way now to live in the society. Remember that when I was living here, I had a hope to go and make much make a life for myself so I didn't have a plane ticket back again you know mm. so when you even if when you decide to come back how do you come back sure yeah. you're gonna walk yeah. you're gonna fly why how are you gonna do it 
Yeah. You know, so I was stuck. Yeah. Yes. And I had to find a way to just continue the life. Sure, sure, sure. So, so let me ask you this. Did you go there on a student visa? I went there on a student visa. And so did, how did that transition? So you I went on a student visa yeah. and then I changed from student visa to a working visa okay. from being a student and now working with a band. Okay, okay. You get what I mean? So the band people helped me to, to now transition from student visa to a working visa. Okay. Which was not easy. That is a whole paragraph on its own. Whole whole different story on its own. Sure, sure. Yeah, whole different story on its own. Yeah. But cut long story short, so I became fully now involved with the music. Mm -hmm. And I started developing all the music talent in me. Everything that was going was hidden in me was coming out. Now I have to go read, I have to go and do stuff. And I started getting into schools now. The story was the story was getting out there that there's this African dude that teach African history, teach mm -hmm. African music, da 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 da, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that. So I did that for for 14 14 years. Wow. But in the process, mm -hmm. I went back to school again. Okay. So what did you pick up this time? I went for radio journalism. Ah. So I'm okay. a I'm a radio I'm a radio journalist by train. Okay. I went to I went to New Zealand radio school. Got it. Yes. Got it. So did you have a show, radio show there? No. I you know, I was thinking at that point that if I leave New Zealand and come to Ghana and I get to my old age, what will I do? Okay. And how can I impact society? Sure. So I decided to go for the radio course because I was doing international communication. Uh -huh. So I did a transfer of credit. Yeah. To make me to go into a course that I can do that will be the same, so I don't yeah. have to go and start over, start all yeah, over. Yeah. So yeah. I went for radio journalism. Okay. And I just put it in my pocket. Sure. And I never use it. Sure. So I'm a radio journalist behind the scene. <laughs> okay. Yes. I gotta look out. It's, you might you might come. Something uh, that I don't competing. I never really talk about. <laughs> but when I walk into radio stations and stuff like that, and I see their setup and a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, I know what's up. Sure. Yes. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's fun. That's yeah. fun. That's fun. Anyway. Okay. You continue. Yeah. So 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 then, how did you come back to Ghana? How did you come to be you know back? Yes. What, what brought you back? Fourteen years was a long time. So at a point I became Kiwi, you know. They say mm. Kiwi. If you live in New Zealand, Kiwi. Yeah. yeah. Ah, become yes. Kiwi. The other yes. nationality. Yes. Yeah. So you have to become Kiwi. If you want to survive in the society, you have to integrate. So mm. I became Kiwi. Mm -hmm. Africa was calling me every day because I felt like I've gained a lot of knowledge and my skills were not practically needed it's in that part of the world. Yeah. It was needed in Africa. Yeah. So I came to visit. As part of the visit was for me to try and transform the music scene in Ghana. Mm. So I came so first. What was the transformation that you were looking to? Um, I was saying that our music from this side of the world was not telling the story of us. Mm. It was trying to tell the story of other people. Okay. So the copycat was too much. Yeah that, you know, almost every young dude over here was trying so hard to be a black American rapper. Sure. And the content of their lyrics does not even relate to nothing here. So, and they forgot about instrumentation too. So everything was so synthesized. Yeah, so a computer. The beats so I wanted to come bring a new, a new face where instruments were being appreciated. 
and our indigenous instruments were being appreciated as well so that we can bring back some authenticity yeah so when we go on the world music stage we can tell a better story yeah because i came to ghana uh from a, a tv a, a tv sponsored show from new zealand where we were supposed to take some people from here to new zealand to go and perform so we i came and we did the whole kind of documentary and all stuff like that but when we went back to new zealand it didn't take off and it was because they were trying so hard to be something that they were ah, not. they didn't bring their authentic selves. Yes, right. and so it was very hard to import Ghana music, to come for musicians in Ghana and say, come and go and play on the world stage. Mm -hmm. You couldn't take a Ghanaian artist and put them on a world stage to tell a story. There's not many of them yeah. because they don't have a story to tell. So you know, you take a typical example of Huma Sekela. Mm -hmm. When he's on stage and he's singing, he's telling the story of South Africa. Yeah. He's telling the story of apartheid. There is a hook line as to why you want to listen to him. But if you look at the modern Africa now, right down from north, south and east, west, center of Africa, there's no musician who can hold a microphone and tell a story of their village through their music. They can't. So only few people that will do that. And those ones are not being appreciated. So we are consuming products from the west where it doesn't actually build us as people. So my music that I was bringing here was to now to retell the story, you know, change the narrative. Let us feel like we have something that is good as well. But when I came, the passion that I brought is not the same for the people over here. They didn't, they didn't, they weren't interested. They were not interested. And in Ghana, there are no music festivals. Until recently. Until recently. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't even showcase your, your act. Yeah. Unless you book for venue, which are, which are very expensive. So I, I, I keep spending money and not getting it back. And the musicians don't have money either. So I couldn't continue. I was like, you know, I'm a message musician. If I was going to sing to impact people and the people are not ready, you can't keep writing because I have to write based on inspiration. Right. Yes. yes. So if you are not inspired yes. enough, you, yes. can't, you, can't, you can't come up with stuff. Yeah. So I did a little bit, try hard, you know, so, so that I can push it, but it didn't work. So I went back to New Zealand again. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went so back. You tried it, you dipped your toe back at yeah. the motherland and then... I went back and then, you know, but when I went back, I still didn't really, I felt like something is missing. Yeah, I felt like something is missing. So I decided again, you know what? Yeah, let me go back again. But when I was coming back, I, I, I came in three times. The last one, when I was coming, I didn't know what I was coming to do. Mm. But I was tired of New Zealand too. Sure. I had packed my things. I don't have a permanent house anymore. All my friends know that Zozo is going back to Africa. Mm -hmm. Some of my friends call me and they say, you know how the story is. A lot of people think like Africa is a war zone in the Western world. So if you are going back to Africa, you know, you're going to be eaten by some gorilla or you know, some monkeys will be slapping you from left and right, you know. You know? A lot of the white world does yes. see that, yes. see that that way. Yeah. I, I, went to, um, I went to a yoga retreat in Bali and there was a German man and we came from Ghana. So it was a group of us from Ghana and we were a diverse group. You know, there was Italians, there were, you know, different types of Africans. 
And he really was like, oh, they have yoga where you came from? And we were shocked. So to your point. Yeah. yeah and you can imagine that New Zealand was very, New Zealand is like the last country in the world sure. and very far away from a lot of people. Yeah. So you can, you can tell there's a lot of naive people over there. Yeah. Not for sometimes genuinely, but not knowing anything about Africa. Yeah. And you don't even know where to start a story from. So they call you on the phone and say, I hear you going back to Africa. What happened? You're going to be killed, man. You know, they're going to shoot you. Right. I saw it on the TV. Right. It's war over there. Right. So you can imagine all that. Yeah. But I'm going in my head, no, there's no war there. Yeah. You know, you, to some people, you couldn't even say you are from Ghana. They say, where in South Africa are you from? Sure. And then exactly. you say, I'm from Ghana. Yeah. And then they still ask you, which part of South Africa is Ghana? And then you say, no, Ghana is a country on its own. It's in West Africa. The guy still asks you, which part of West Africa is South Africa? At this point, you know what? Well, then you keep moving. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you can't explain you gotta anymore. Gotta keep moving, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I had packed up my stuff and I'm coming back to Ghana and I couldn't say I'm leaving there again. I was like, I'm coming to make it here. So I came back to Ghana. That was my last third time that I came back to Ghana. Okay. And, and that was I'm the charm. Here. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. Yes. So before we talk about what, what you're doing very specifically here in Ghana, um, I want to take you on a global speak journey. So this okay. is where I ask, what do you hear? So it's where I ask you to share a word <clears throat> or a saying mm -hmm. that is a meaningful part of your local experience and why or how you came to value it as global speak. So it could be something that you picked up from New Zealand, mm -hmm. something that you value here in Ghana. What would you call your global speak? I think one of the things I pick up is hey bro. Hey bro. Hey bro, yeah. Okay. Yeah, hey bro. Okay. I say hey bro a lot and it's not Ghanaian thing. No. But hey bro is 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 New Zealand. Yeah. Bro is New Zealand. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Hey sure, bro. Sure. Hey bro. Okay. Yeah, that's what we say. Okay. So I I say it without not realizing. Sometimes I say bro, then I'm going, ah. Oh, this, <laughs> this is this is not I didn't say Charlie, you know, I say bro. They know what I mean, though. Yeah. But I'm asking myself, ah, okay, yeah, you know, it's New Zealand thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, that that has become part of me. Okay. I think probably I have a lot of things that I say that I don't even realize. But yeah. hey, bro, is hey, bro, hey, bro, hey, bro, hey, bro, hey, bro, come, hey, bro. I say bro a lot. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and that is something I pick up from New Zealand. Okay. All right. Okay. So now let's talk about the woodwork. Yes. So you you said you came back to Ghana and you didn't know what you're going to do. Yes. So then, how did you find yeah. what you are doing? Yeah. Well, I think with the wood story, I think um, I don't know whether I want to say is like uh, is another mystic world or something that probably I don't have words to actually even you know spell it out yeah. or tell. But I will tell it the way I feel it. Mm -hmm. My last time of coming to Ghana, third time, and. Um, my second time, I asked my sister, what else do you, what, what do you want to do at all? Because anytime I come to Ghana, oh, I've been to air hostess school. Oh, I've been to this school. Every time she has a story of some school she's been to, but I never see her working. Mm -hmm. So this time I called her, the second time I called her, I said, tell me, what you, what do you want to do in this life? Yeah. If anybody gives you the free will, you know, what do you want to do in this life? And she said, I want to be a chef. Okay. So I said, okay, all right, no problem. You want to be a chef. 
So should I take you to chef school? And she said yes. So I said okay. I'll take you to a chef school and I want you to be admitted as a chef because I wanted to give her something to be doing. So I wanted her to tell me what she likes to do. So she went to the chef for a year and then she finished. So when I came back the last like okay. my third time, she's completed the school. So she said, Oh, I finished the school. I said, uh -huh. You finished? He said, Yes. So okay, what are you going to do now? Oh, I want you to look for a job for me at Golden Tulip. She was mentioning all these big, 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 big restaurants. Mm -hmm. And I said, nah, you know what? This neighborhood we live in here, by that time we used to live in Clago. Okay. This neighborhood we use, we live in here. There's no food. So you start cooking from the house. Mm -hmm. And let me see how people mm -hmm. will like your food. Mm -hmm. And if they do like it, then I'll do something for you. Sure. And she said, okay. So she started cooking. So first week, bang, food was gone. Second week, bang, food was gone. I was like, oh, okay. That means people like your food. <laughs> so I had by then, my first time, second time coming to Ghana, I always see wood waste lying around. Yes. And not really knowing what I was going to use it for. Sure. Because it was never my field mm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. yes you know but i always saw it and it was always very beautiful to me mm -hmm. and i was asking myself why is that wood lying down there nobody's using it you know yeah and i guess it's also because of my experience around the world my adventure and living in new zealand and seeing new zealand as a typical wood country that wood was used to it fullness yeah. but i never realized that it was playing up on my subconscious mind. Mm, right. You get what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I told my sister that I want to do something for you. I'm going to create a table, okay? Then you can put your food stuff on it, and then you can sell. So she said, okay. So I went out there. I'm not a trained carpenter. I'm not a professional carpenter or nothing. But I have this inspiration in me that if I call one person closer to me, to come, who could possibly design that thing like that. Yeah. So I went out, I called this boy who's a carpenter, and I said, Oh, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Bro, um, do you think we can go and get some pallet over here and come and use it to blow that and that? The guy said, Oh, no, 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 no. Can I use that one? I said, Do you know what I'm talking about? He said, Yes. He said, Oh, is it not the, the, the wood they used to cop, they, they used to cover the open gutters? Is that not what you're talking about? I said, yes. I said, we can use it. He said, oh, no, 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 Rasta, we don't use that in Ghana here. Uh -huh. you, 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 your story is different. Let's go to the timber market and buy blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I said, okay, don't worry. You know, let's buy this one. Me, I'll pay you. Yes. And show you what I want. I'll pay you. He said, ah, okay. If you like it, no problem. So we went there. We bought it. Came and did the first table. So when we did the first table, I told him that, can we sandpaper it? He said, no. Why? Because, you know, me, I'm done. I don't sandpaper this. You have to look for some people to sandpaper it. Oh, OK. He said, ah, oh, sandpaper it, add some value to it. And he said, no, no. So he didn't do it. So in the neighborhood there, I looked for some boys, you know, and I gave them a sandpaper. I said, you can use your hand, sandpaper it. Yeah. You see, when I was a student, I did a lot of hustling. Mm -hmm. 
In the hustling world, I work at the construction field. I work as a cleaner. I did all sort of odd jobs. But those odd jobs I was doing at the other side was teaching me a lesson. Sure. That was the university of street life. Yeah. Yeah. I was graduating, but I didn't know that I was graduating. I was thinking yeah. that I needed the graduation really from the school. Right. But I needed the graduation yeah. from learning in the system. Yeah. So I learned a lot of things without not realizing that these things play a bigger part of yeah. the thing. Yeah. So I say some people, I say, no, 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 no. I remember my first job when they gave me a sanding machine on the wall. I nearly fell down. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, what's the shame? <laughs> it's like, what is this? Yeah. So, I taught this guy to do this. He will not do it. But finally, I got him to now understand the piece. Yes. And then we work on it. Okay. People walk past and see, and then they go, "Oh, my sister is quite now. Who did this for you? Oh, my brother. Oh, this is beautiful. Oh, this is where the story started." So one piece, one piece, from one piece to another, to another. So I started developing myself. I started learning myself. And I'm asking myself that if this is taking off, then I have to keep going. I can't stop. But what made the story to be bigger was when I did my first mobile cart as a drink cart because mm. we were living in Clagon mm -hmm. and the house was not ours. I needed to create something temporal mm. that my sister could use to sell juices and drinks. Mm -hmm. And then when the time comes and say, oh, landlord say move, you could go. got our things and go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I made that cart and there was a guy who was going around in Ghana taking pictures for the New York Times uh -huh. and happened that me and my partner now, we met him at La Villa Boutique Hotel. Okay. And we were talking over there, and now said to the guy that, oh, this is my husband, he likes to create different, different unique things. Yeah. So you should go to his house, he has something over there. Yeah. And the guy came yeah. to Clava to take pictures. I thought that, you know, it's a joke, because I thought, okay, he's another white boy. <laughs> Who is in town trying to take some photos of some stuff, you know? Sure. Yeah. You know, you know what they do, you know. Yeah. They, they like taking photos. Yeah. yeah. I know I know they're listening, but it's true, you know. Yeah, they like taking photos. So yeah. So the guy came, took his photo, went away, and I asked him, Oh, so what will happen? He said, I don't know. All I'm doing is I'm going to the whole Africa and I'm submitting the photos to New York Times. And they're gonna choose which one they like. Mm -hmm. So three months later. A friend of mine called me from New York and said, bro, you are in the New York Times. Ah. And I was like, shit, okay. I'm not in any local newspaper over here. <laughs> and I'm in the New York Times. So I never looked back. Yes. And yeah. I told myself, this creation is mystic. This creation is a gift. My brain has never stopped creating since then. My brain has opened, like you know how you open mega files and the files keep opening like that. Yeah. And it hasn't stopped. Yeah. And it has opened and I have learned and I have learned and I have built so many, so many different, different, different types of things. In Ghana, wood 
was not the story. Concrete yes. is the story. Right. Yeah. But when I brought this little piece of wood, if you go around Accra now, 90% of almost every outdoor type of setting you are seeing now is now becoming wood because of what I brought into the system. People are, have changed their style. Right. And so, and you know, the pallets are no, no more cheap. They are no more cheap. I can't buy it myself. Exactly. They're very exactly. expensive now because the demand is gone exactly. up. Exactly. But the idea, the story is, the story is not only even about the pallet. Mm -hmm. The story that I want to tell now, it is for all Africans to wake up, to find another diverse way of yeah. living a life. Sure. And also to make good use of their own wood. There are, there's timber in Africa, but Africans don't see the need and don't see the value. All our timbers leave our coast and they go to the other part of the right. world. Right. Yeah, mostly, yeah. So, pallet is just the first phase, but the real phase is to bring wood technology into Africa. Mm. So that's a, a definite mindset hack. So I have a mindset hack question. And that is, what is your favorite or an innovative mindset hack? So this is one that you practice, one that you know of, or one that you can imagine. Yeah, I like to drop myself, I like to drop myself in the center of nowhere, mm. where I don't think many people know me. Mm. Even though I know people know me. Mm -hmm. But so let's imagine like I go to Mokola mm -hmm. and I sit in a corner somewhere mm -hmm. and just watching people go past, walk by. Mm. That's me. That's me. So, so I can be a loner sometimes. So then how does that transform you? Okay, so what, what, what it does to me is when I see a group of people walking and coming, for me, I see all of them, everybody, like in a jail, okay? Mm -hmm. And the jail has been break loose and everybody has a problem. But me, I have solution to everybody. Mm. Yes. So I need to see all the humans mm. in a different sphere yeah. of walking then it tells me oh look at that guy oh i could have done this for him you know and i can do this and he'll be fine look at that person over there oh you know oh this one i can do that so when i come home i have a lot of templates mm. i have solution sure. but i need to watch need to watch humans yes i don't have to necessarily interact so I can sit here, I can sit here by myself and having a drink. I'll not drink fast, I'll be here, but I'll look at cars go by, look at this one go by, I'll look at this one in the sky, but I am I'm more of a solution-oriented person. But I need to watch spaces, sure. I need to watch people sure. to be able to reach that level. Yeah, so that anonymity allows yes. you to yes. create. Okay, yes. I like that I don't one. see problem, yeah. I always see solution. Yeah. Yes, when, when, even when we are in the middle of ocean and we are about to die right now, mm -hmm. you know, okay, we know we're gonna die, but I still believe that there's a solution. Okay. Until I get drowned fully, that <laughs> I will not even know, but I still believe that, you know what? Right. There's a yes. solution. Yeah. And maybe the solution is I'll probably come back to life again. So my last story for everybody drowning, we say, bro, we're gonna die, but you know what? We'll come back. We're gonna reappear somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm that sort of person that gives the last hope. That it is not last. Mm -hmm. There is another life. Mm -hmm. That is how I walk. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. I like that. That's yeah. a good one. That's a good one. Okay, so 
you know, we've, we've learned about your journey. We've learned about the things that you're doing. Tell us a little bit more about some of your, your marquee works because you have a few, you know, you have, you have a restaurant, you yeah. have a few different projects. And then tell us about this place where we're sitting. Well, yes, I have a restaurant myself called the Palette Kitchen. Mm -hmm. I use the name the Palette Kitchen because I started with Palette. Mm -hmm. So I wanted everybody to know mm -hmm. that this is what I have. So Palette Kitchen is situated in Osu. It used to be originally from Klagon for my uh, sister. Okay, okay. Then we moved from Klagon and we have it in Osu. Okay, so that's where Sis, that's yes. where sis is now. So she's sis is not currently there. Oh. But you know, she's still that in the industry. The, yeah. okay. Still in the industry. Okay. That is the only restaurant I have for myself. Okay. And then having my own shop. Yes. All the other pieces that I've built, I built it for other people. Okay. Yes. And this is the current story of where I am now in my journey of wood. Okay. So my journey of wood now, my current story is the arc. Mm -hmm. And um I never came here to build the ark. That was not the reason why I came here. I was on a show from a boy, a guy called Woody Meyer. Yes. So Woody Meyer came for an interview with me, did a documentary, and then the man I built the stuff for, his son saw the documentary and called me and said, oh, my father is thinking of building a, a wooden piece. So can you come and help us out? Mm -hmm. So I came and they showed me the space. From the wall to the end of here is about 13, about 13 feet yeah. to yeah. 14. Sure. Yeah. But the back is about 18 feet. Okay. So the man told me this place is a very small place. Mm -hmm. So build something small for me. And I told him that this place is a very big place. So I can build something big for you. Okay. And then he said, oh, no, 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 no. It's very small. You see, this is my place because he has this. Yeah. So, so what we're, we're sitting next to, what is a shopping mall? Yes. So it's a shopping mall, yeah. many shops. Um, it's three stories. Yeah. And we're in front of, as, as Zozo explained, uh, what would have been a side yard, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, mm -hmm. that's the, the size of the space. Yes. Yeah. So I said, I'll build you something big. And then he said, oh, okay whatever you can come up with but you know the place is very small so the first design was just to build a wooden restaurant uh -huh. and when I started the framework I called him and I asked him this place that I want to build from how would you call the place and he said aqua vine aqua vine aqua vine and I was like aqua vine oh. <laughs> what, 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 what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> but the aqua, the aqua actually brought something in me. Sure. The water. Okay. Yeah. But the vine is what I'm struggling with. Yeah. But I like to build monuments for people that has a relation to the name. Okay. I don't like to build things out of place. Yeah. I want. I, I'm a story. I'm a storyteller. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to just build stuff. I want the thing to have a story. Mm -hmm. So I told him that aqua vine, I'm not too sure. But if you like aqua vine, eh, then I'm going to build you a ship mm. on water. Voila. Uh -huh. Okay? Yeah. And then the vine will be maybe some grow some, some, gold, grow some, some greens, green, yeah. some stuff over here. Uh -huh. And then he said, oh, okay. Okay, that sounds good. Uh -huh. So I had by then 
constructed the rectangular shape, you know, okay. without the ark not being there. Sure. And then he said, so, but how are you going to turn it into a ship or a boat like? I said, I'll do it. If you want that, then I'll do it for you. Yeah. So he said, okay, you know what? I think I'll like it. So you do it. Yeah. So I came one morning, I told my boys, we are going to turn the thing into a boat. Uh -huh. And then they said, oh, boat. I said, yes. How are we going to do it? He said, don't worry, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah. So I put all the stuff down, we did all the marking, you know, how to do the, the how to make sure that it, it can rise gradually, you know. So I went to stand over here. If I'm not getting the rise, I'll come back, you know, we have to do a cutting again. So by the time we finish, the arc form. The bow of the ship. Yes. Yeah. And when we started building that, that's where everybody walked past and they said, oh, the guy is building the Noah's Ark. Yeah. So, okay. They forming, they giving a name already. Uh -huh. So the man came and he saw it and he said, wow, this is beautiful, I like it. This is how the concept came okay. about. Okay, yeah. But yeah. when we put everything together, then I said to myself, maybe this is like a, a reincarnated boat or a, 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 mm. a, a boat that was actually meant. That, that mystical, that side, mystical of side of it. Yeah. So I started researching into black people ancient life in Kemet. Okay. Uh huh. And to see the life of what boats did, mm -hmm. because, canoes. And so, to your point, you know, we we think about the the transatlantic transatlantic slave trade as yes. the leader in in ship technology and sailing, and actually. Africans were sailors long, long time before. ago. Yeah. So yeah. I came across the discovery of the boats in the tomb of Tutankhamun. Ah, then okay. I came across the discovery of the boat in Pharaoh's Khufu's tomb. Mm -hmm. Then the story get deeper. So by the time I finished, I came here, I stood here and I watched and I told myself that once upon a time, the sea was here, and the boat came to dock. The sea has moved away, and people have come around the boat. But the boat is old. We have refurbished the boat to its modern state, and it is still has been giving it rugged feel. But the boat has been tilted to sitting down here. It's been tilted to this side one inch more okay. to show that it's been here for uh -huh. a long time. So I am thinking that it is the African story to read the, tell the story again of how our people migrated from the ancient world mm. to this part, mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. they move on the Nile mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to come. Mm -hmm. I don't think they walk all the way, but they, they, they flow on the Nile. And then they go into the hinterland and they come. Sure, sure. And, so, it, and, and honestly, in both directions, right? Because yes. we have rich history that was even in the central and the western part yeah. of Africa that also migrated. Yeah. I love that story. That's a great story. I feel like this is a blessed place because Thank of you. your, your, your hands on it. And so we're yeah. going to definitely put a link to it in the show notes and put a place on the map yeah. so that people know to come and see your work. Yeah. And, um, one of many to come visions. One of many to come, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so 
listeners, I was able to do a, a tour, so I'll add that as well, a link to that, and so you'll also get to see what it yeah. looks like so we inside. Did the tour. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. So as we start to wind down our conversation, I want to ask you, aside from the builder that is you, and you are a musician, are you a reader, a watcher, or a listener? I'm a watcher and a listener. Okay, so what are some of your favorite watches, and what are some of your favorite listens? Oh, <laughs> yeah. so when you say what is my one of my favorite watches? Yeah. Does it mean that the things I watch? Yes. So, this is me. Yes. Any field that I take, uh-huh. I want to be a master on that field. Okay. So when I was fully involved with music, and I was doing African music, I make sure I research African music into its fullness. Now, my daily food I eat is wood. Ah, okay, okay, okay. You go all in. I go all in. I don't know how to do half-half. Sure, yes. I like to be a master of a piece. Yeah. So, it's not like, I don't want people to ask me questions about what I do and I'm going, eh, 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 nah. Yes, I understand. So that is what I eat now. So it's my first wife. Okay. Every other person (laughs) is a second wife. Okay. So wood is what you're watching. Yes. And what are you listening to? The social, political commentary of the world. Oh, here we go. So we've had a we've had an interesting <laughs> conversation about some of these things, and I would I'm, I'm going to invite Zozo back to talk about those because he he left a, a really strong impression in my mind about the way that Ghanaian government is structured. Yeah. And. So just very briefly, talk yeah. about talk about your vision for what would work best. My vision? Yes. For what would work best? Yes. And this is, you know, we and have this we have this democracy yeah. that is fairly yeah. fairly, you know, dysfunctional, yeah. you know, it's not fully yeah. realized. But based on our local cultures and our local structures, you yeah. have an idea of what would work best. Yes. If I'm if I'm given the chance. Yeah. And in an ideal world, mm-hmm. if somebody gives me a platform now and say tomorrow I want you to be the leader or the president of Ghana I'll coin the term monocracy monocracy okay that is what I will bring into Africa and what what is a monocracy so monocracy is to cut across monarchy and democracy and so the monarchy you're speaking of yes. has to do with our chieftaincy yes. structure. Okay, yes. Just so that, yeah, yes. The monarchy I'm talking about is talk to about is about our chieftaincy structure, and then going into our democracy where we are now. The reason why I want to blend it and I call it monocracy, it is because that when people have been on a journey for hundreds of years, if you want to take them. If you want to if you want to take something away from them you have to be prepared to give them something again otherwise they'll get lost yes. now democracy itself on its modern practice here is a sold agenda sure but monarchy in Africa was already practicing democracy in our own way consensus building was never a Western concept. When our chiefs sit together, when there is a trouble, they sit together. 
and they have to decide who is wrong, who is right. That was being done in our chieftaincy system already. The new concept that has been sold to us, we've bought into it and we are using it differently because the education they gave us towards democracy was spearheaded from the Western view. Right. It wasn't looked from the inside. So when I say monocracy, is to take the elements of good stuff in the democracy we practice now and take the element of the good stuff that are left with our chieftaincy and merge them together and let this country move. But we are not going to spend money, thousands of dollars, to elect president anymore. There was never a king in Africa that was elected as a king and they spent millions do you understand what I mean? Well, of course. So before we even start our own structure in our country to elect a leader, our country always go into debt before we even start. So what we are practicing today, for 54 countries in Africa, we are all lost. We need to get back to the old style and add value to it. I'm not saying that everything about chieftaincy is perfect because this is what people forget that if africa was left alone africa would not be the same because we are dynamic people would have evolved so when you look at other kingdoms now that have been led by kings and queens they haven't been static they've also evolved and most successful kingdoms in today's modern world they do very well and they are doing very well. So Queen of England, they went everywhere and colonized people. They never leave their queenship. They never left their kingdom. Well, the reason so we why... we left everything. But the reason why is because they had pillaged so that they could stay in that situation, right? Yeah. But I, I mean, I challenge you because in Swaziland or... Um, not Swazi anymore. Yeah. Um, but I know what you're talking about. Swaziland, yeah. yeah. They're having major challenges. Yeah. And so... Is it that that challenge is, because it's economic, obviously, Mm -hmm. right? They've said, you know, the king has been, you know, patronizing only his people and leaving everyone else, you Mm -hmm. know, out to, to, you know, to suffer for themselves. Yeah, yeah. So how do you control for, or, you know, in this monocracy, how do you manage, you know, the idea of who who in the lineage and who, who actually becomes... The leader yeah. right because we don't have we have these land rules and that's yeah. even like changed and, and yeah. modified now because yeah. you know any and people buy chieftaincies yeah. nowadays yeah. so so how yeah. how 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 do we you see, mechanize it in that regard you see we as africans anything that we want to do now which will make us stay authentic and keep our culture alive we have elements and forces of people who, by any means necessary, would like to break it down, would like to make it not to work. You go and come. Would like to make it not to work. Because if we become independent and we control our states, economically, other countries will suffer. So nobody is willing for Africans to regain their culture. 
Africans themselves have been educated to hate themselves to that extent that they are not willing for this system in which they enjoy to go away. Because any system a group of people enjoy and they are corrupt in that system, it becomes part of them. Yes. So if this system goes away and monocracy is going to come, the first thing they're going to say is, oh, what happened to me? So over 500, over 400 years, Africans themselves are not willing to let this system go away because they've been part of a system that they have been enriching themselves with. Yeah, in, in, a, in, another, in another country's context. Right? Thank you. So we have a lot of countries who will make sure that Africa will not go into monarchy. Because Africa goes back to monarchy, then what? We can't have access to that. We can't have access to this. We can't have access to this. So there is a lot of international economics yes. that comes into play. Sure. So we as a people don't have that force to be able to even do that because we are not united enough to do that. We are not educated enough to understand the values in our own culture or our own system to be able to do that. So I'm asking, if we sit down here today and parliament is full of a lot of different tribes of people, there are 275 constituencies in Ghana, 275 parliamentarians, are they all from the same tribe? No, they are from different tribes. But they coexist peacefully in that parliament and they make decisions for Ghana. So you want to tell me that if every tribe bring one person into parliament, who was a representative of a king in his town, in that constituency, couldn't they make the same decision? It's a valid, valid argument. It yeah. could, yeah. It, it could work, yeah. and that's why I wanted to, yeah. you know, have see? have the seeds of that conversation. Thank I'd you. love to have you back yeah. and talk more yeah. with some other th yeah. thought 275 leaders. constituencies in Ghana. Yeah. 275 constituencies. Break them into different tribes, and let every constituency have one king. Let their secretary or let that king come into parliament and represent. You have different types of same different types of people representing in parliament but making decisions for their own people mm -hmm. which does not cost money to elect them mm -hmm. because well, the people in the town already know which people are doing the job if you go to any village now and you ask i want to do this who should i call oh let's call this guy for you he will do it let's call this guy for you yeah. he will do it yeah but because we've been told that there is this guy over here who holds phd in some bullshit from university of da 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 yeah that guy needs to be the parliamentarian the guy never lived in ghana before he never lived in his village but he came with money and he went to the village and he shared money for everybody and he told them you know my grandmother comes from this village we were born in accra but my father had money he took me to london and I came back, but you know, I want to help you, these people here. So, I can you vote for me to become a parliamentarian? Yay! They vote for him. He lives in Accra. Every weekend, he's in London. He goes to parliament. He talks shit because he's never lived in that village. And he is a representative of a change. He is a representative of a negative change. Who has never experienced his own community? Who does not understand what development is about? He's been planted with a Western concept to try to come and change Africans. This is what I'm talking about. So, monocracy is to really go back to the roots. Let people who do the job 
go into the decision-making point sure. and let it influence the people. Sure, sure, sure. Well, that's food for thought. Food for thought, Zozo, as which is always the pleasure of, of, of spending time with you. Beyond that, any last words for our listeners today? Yeah, anywhere you are, just be who you are. Do what you can do and leave the rest. Okay, I love that one. That's wonderful, that's wonderful. So, Global Citizens, this has been another episode of the podcast. You can catch us each and every Tuesday with a new episode at www.globalcitizenspod.com dot com or wherever you get your podcasts and i really am going to urge you to look at the show notes and take a look at our socials for this episode because we have a really great um, treasure here and so i have a video of the arc and i'm going to put links to some of his other works most definitely so you'll get a chance to see all of that and uh, i think that's all for today so as always bye for now <laughs>